This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. Today we're going to review Strange New Worlds, episode 9 out of 10 for the season, which is crazy, called All Those Who Wander, and it's a big one. But we're going to start, as always, with the news, and this time we have some news on Discovery, thanks to an interview that Sonequa Martin-Green did while she was in the UK promoting the launch of Paramount+. Plus. It's a, somewhat similar to what she said last week, but you know, when, when you watch the video interview, the nuance here is that she's saying that season five, she describes it as refreshing and invigorating and lovely. She kind of really emphasized. And, you know, she said it's kind of in contrast to season, which, you know, was tied into COVID. And she talked about how, you know, that season tied into tragedy and she had a personal tragedy that year because she lost her mother that year and, and she that, lost her she lost both parents within a day of each yeah. other which is horrifying so plus everybody was going through so much loss and grief and confusion and so yeah i think when you watch the video and you see the way that she's talking you definitely get the sense that they're going to have some more fun and liveliness in season five I mean, the show's been getting lighter and lighter since season one in general, I think. Although the the thing, they kind of lost a little bit of light when they lost Tilly. So and yeah. we talked about that. And so hopefully they'll find more ways to bring that back in and more so. Like by having more Tilly. That would be a good way. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be <laughs> at least some, but uh, not just that, hopefully. Um, she also said that uh, Book and Michael... She said, we'll always stay in each other's orbit. Again, she she just couldn't say anything about the new season, like not one whit of anything, but basically made it clear that it's not over for these two. Yeah, I expect him to be a recurring character again. He's a popular character. He's a good actor. He's been, He was doing publicity with them last week. I'm sure they'll figure out a way to get them back together. I don't know how long his prison sentence is. He's not actually in prison. He's just supposed to be helping refugees or something. That's his... Community service. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm imagining him in one of those jumpsuits at the side of the road, you know, picking up picking track. Up space garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so the, you know, the interview asked her about... You know, is there any piece of Star Trek lore you'd like to touch on? And he started talking about maybe the Borg, maybe this or the maybe that. She just went back to this thing she brought up last week of doing a crossover episode. But the way she talks about it, it's like if there was a big crossover episode in season five, would she keep bringing it up? She's so phobic on doing any spoilers that it makes me feel like maybe there isn't a crossover episode. Well, it could be her appearing on another show versus people appearing on her show. That's which, true. Which That's gives her true. maybe a little more freedom. Not really, but <laughs> maybe a little leeway. Alex said there's a crossover happening. Right. We assumed it was between two live action shows, and it's probably not Picard, so it's probably Strange New Worlds and Discovery, but maybe not. She really liked the idea, although it seemed to her a brand new idea of what if she could do Lower Decks as an animated character. She got super excited at that suggestion. So again, it made me feel like that hasn't that's not it either. You know, so who knows what's happening at the crossover. But now I'm starting yeah. to think it's not Discovery, you know, and I don't think it's Picard. So 
you know, maybe it is that Lower Decks Strange New Worlds crossover that was like joked about it during a panel like two years ago. Yeah, we ended up talking about that for a long time when we first heard about it. I still think it's a good idea. Yeah. No, I think Lower Decks has a lot of freedom to do a fun crossover with any of the shows. And then you don't have to worry as much about time period because you can concoct some crazy reason and you don't have to be as logical or painstaking um, on Lower Decks. Like it still has to make sense. And I feel like they're still they're still making sense within their stories, but there's just a lot more room to play. Let's switch to Lower Decks to talk about the reverse of that because Tawny Newsom did an interview to her. And she was asked about live action and she, you know, is way into the idea, but she talked about it more theoretically as if it, you know, she talked about what would happen if they did it and how she wants to see Jack have to do the hair. And she talked about how Tendi or Noel, you know, maybe they could do the, the green skin with the computer instead of her having to do the makeup. So again, I don't think it's, it's happened because she's so open to talking about what it could be like. It didn't seem like it's something that's happened or right. is about to happen. So I don't know. This, the crossover is flummoxed me. I, 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 I'm out of ideas <laughs> on what you it could be. You usually have so many theories and thoughts on what the most likely thing is. So I sort of like that you're stymied. It's a Picard prodigy crossover. There we go. <laughs> this is the most random and unlikely, but, you know, who knows Why not? what it is. Why not? So Tony also gave us a little update. Um, they're writing season four of Lower Decks right now. And she said she started recording it and also doing um, audio pickups ADR for season three. So they're moving along pretty nicely. We still don't have a date on season three, but I guess they said it was summer and we're in the summer. But if it was going to be July, we'd know by now. Yeah, I think August. Yeah. She talked about some things she wants to see. She said, we have something in season three that's going to look a little similar to the things that she talked about it being similar to were sort of a role-playing thing. So a little bit like Crisis Point, the episode of Lower Decks. Um, but also this, actually, she mentioned a Deep Space Nine episode that I always loved, which is where Dax gets all of her friends to um, sort of be her previous hosts and take their personalities so that she can interact with all of them. She called it a, th a nerdy theater kid type episode, but I wasn't a theater kid, but I loved that episode. I thought it was really cool and it did allow everybody to do something very different. So she says there's something coming like that in season three. Mike said that they're going to be visiting what he called some major Star Trek planets. He likes this idea of exploring a culture and learning more about it to take what was a monolithic Star Trek culture and learn more about it, kind of like he did with the exocomps. We've learned a bit more. And we do know that Peanut Hamper is going to be back this <laughs> season. So we're going to learn more about that. But I think there's going to be some other, you know, so imagine a species we know nothing about and then maybe, you know, like the binars or something, you know, maybe we're going to visit some, it's almost certainly a TNG one-off alien and we're going to visit their home world and you know there's so many opportunities there obviously yeah do you have anyone in particular that you're thinking about well i think the binars would be because they're just a funny little species right so that yep. would be a, a great planet to visit and you know what ex what is the deal and how does that you know culture work you know what, what about you it's hard off the top of my head i'm like seven seasons worth of planets 
it's hard to remember <laughs> where. <laughs> so I would need, you know, I'd need to be looking and making a list and trying to think about it. That sounds like a good listicle for maybe for you to write or someone. To, uh, oh, yeah. You know, you know, kind of one-off planets we want to see more from from Next Generation. I love that idea. If listeners have suggestions, please uh, come post them in the comments, too. Speaking of listicles, your listicle for suggestions for next-gen characters, guest stars, um, it's up on the site now. So uh, readers may want to, for Picard Season 3, by the you know, we talked a little bit about this last week, but now you can read the whole thing and see your reasoning. I saw a great suggestion from someone in the comments that I had not thought of, which was <laughs> Nick Locarno. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. I didn't even think of it. So I feel kind of stupid for not thinking of it. But that would be a great character to revisit. Totally. And, you know, he's around. Yeah. He's busy directing a lot of things, but he's around. We have one little other bit about Lower Decks, which is Lower Decks is getting an IDW comic book, which is pretty amazing. It's going to be a three-issue comic starting in September. It's written by a guy named Ryan North, who was picked by Mike McMahon. He's a pretty well-known in the world of comics um, and has won a bunch of awards. We've got all the covers for the first issue on the site now, and so it looks good, and, uh, you know, it's perfect for Lower Decks to do a comic book. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I don't usually read the comics, just whatever, life is short, I have to make my choices, but I feel like that would be a really fun one to read, and I might, I might go for that, spring for it. So let's switch to talking about Strange New Worlds. And so this is a spoiler alert because we're going to be talking a little bit about season two. There were some interviews and Bob Zalusimokan said, who plays Mabenga, said that we're going to explore another side of Mabenga in season two, a darker side, and then said something about um, exploring his contentious relationship with the Klingons. That's what he said on the ready room. So now we're thinking, are we seeing Klingons? Is this a history that he refers to, or is it something new? You know, like, why wouldn't we see the Klingons? It's nothing, yeah. you know, yep. so, you know, they're a big part of the politics that, you know, the Federation is well aware of them. They've had a war with them. You know, the big question, of course, is what will they look like? The answer's rather obvious. They're going to be a slightly tweaked version of the season two Discovery Klingons that's probably more in line with the movie era Klingons and maybe the TNG Klingons, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to look like, you know, the original air of mercy Klingons, you know, right. basically white guys in, you know, brown faces, you know, yes. that might, that might be canon, but it's kind of racist. So I, I don't <laughs> yeah. think I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm sort of curious about where, it's not not so much what the Klingons look like because I just get, you know, they change it and I um, just adjust. But I'm sort of curious about what they're going to be like because we are heading towards the original series era where they were kind of different. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see. I think there were some really interesting elements in the original series to explore about the way the Klingons conquered and dealt with other worlds and how the Federation was challenged to try and deal with that. So brings up some interesting questions. The rest of the season two stuff we've got is basically Melissa Navia and Christina Chong, you know, Being in other, excited. Yeah, just <laughs> say you know, just saying season two takes it to a whole other level and 
you know, it's the biggest things we've ever done. And, you know, if you like season one, you're going to go crazy over season two. I mean, we've heard this kind of hype before, but since we do love season one, it does kind of make me hyped because I'm like, wow, you know, second seasons are almost always better than first seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Not just in Star Trek shows, just kind of learn what they're doing and, and they make adjustments and, you know, obviously there's still COVID stuff going on when they're shooting season two, but it's just, it's not at the same level as it was when they were shooting season one. And you know what? Season one doesn't feel like it the way that both Picard and Discovery felt like. Yeah, I that's like true. We have a lot of group scenes. I never feel like they're isolating people on purpose for shooting purposes. It doesn't have, there's a certain tone that Discovery had. Like, I think it affected the writers on discovery too just in terms of of their approach so and i don't feel any of that with strange new worlds which i didn't even realize till this moment terry talked about how for season three the writer's room was like physically in a room and that was important to him and it's different than season two which was all done via zoom as you know all shows were done that way and I, I can't imagine really doing a writer's room over Zoom. I mean, there's so many like Ugh. little ideas that you just wouldn't throw out. It's just it's just the whole Zoom thing. Even just that you have to pretty much sit in your chair. Like I would imagine in a writer's room, you get up, you stretch, you move around. You're like tossing things around physically, probably getting ideas. And, you know, it just seems very ordering group snacks, I think, is an important part of writer's rooms. So let's come back to season one, the penultimate episode of season one, episode nine, All Those Who Wander. I think you should start us off. So, you know, you'd think that I would be like, oh, no, it's a Gorn episode. I hate it. Um, And despite my ongoing Gorn issues, which I still have, I actually thought it was an excellent episode. I thought that it was there was great character work. The pacing was really good. The I kept noticing things like even in this in the sound design in terms of the mood that they were trying to create. I thought the buildup of from one thing happening to the next was really good. A really nice contrast from the beginning of the episode, which was very light and about food and family and hanging around to this terrifying end or you know journey that they had to go on so i mean i have my small things here and there as always um and as always like number one just leaves and goes away that's it um (laughs) this time taking ortegas with her but i i really thought it was like excellent excellent episode well i'm glad to hear it are you shocked no i mean i I think you just it took you longer to get over the gorn thing oh i'm not over it just letting you know I went into this over it, and they're embracing yet another genre. This is sci-fi horror. I mean, obviously, they are going deep into the Alien franchise here and a bit into Predator as well, which is fine. You know, I'm okay. I mean, I I don't even like that genre, and I still thought the episode was great. Well, because interwoven in that, there's there's some really good character stuff. I mean, when you zoom out, this is basically an Ahura growth origin story, yep. right? Although she's not really like, I mean, she's there. She kind of bookends the episode actually, or literally. Yeah. She's, you know, she's in the episode, but it isn't all about her, but in the end it actually is all about her. 
So no, I, I really liked it very, very much. The most important thing here is if you're going to do this, you better be scary. And it was, I think. It, yeah, I would agree. It was scary. Um, although I am heartbroken because of Hammer, who's a character that I love, was so excited for more of. I, I honestly, the first time I watched it, I thought I watched it wrong. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought... They, I thought, why would they wouldn't do that? Like they wouldn't take one of the most interesting. I mean, they're all great characters, but one of the most interesting, intriguing characters, and do that. And I keep looking for a loophole. Like, where's our search for Spock loophole? Well, it is Star Trek, and so there are always loopholes. But and and he did go out into the cold, which he likes, and Gorns don't. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, he fell into a deep, deep chasm while Gorn were, you know, squirting out of his body. So, you know, I don't think he made it. And it was very sad. It was a great, it was one of the best Star Trek deaths we've ever I seen. I was actually crying. I I wept copiously. But it wasn't manipulative. I mean, it was truly tragic. Yes. And it wasn't a character that we just met and we're supposed to care, care about because they crammed everything into one episode. Um, and it was done in a in a beautiful way. And it's, you know, it was interesting because they sort of they they almost telegraph it by including that key scene between him and Uhura in the previously on part, which they planted the seed for this a long time ago. But then they kind of fake us out where they introduce some new characters and kill them off. They totally redshirted Lieutenant Duke and, and Chia. Yeah, we barely knew her. And then, you know, even if you wanted Sam Kirk to get it because he's really annoying, um, you knew he wasn't going to because we know he survives. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sam Kirk, but he deserved it. (laughs) Oh, he totally deserved it. He was such, get back to Aliens, he was the Bill Paxton. He was the game over man. I mean, they needed someone to be that guy, and they picked him instead of giving it to someone like Duke for someone to basically just lose their shit. And he got even a little McCoy racist on Spock. Yeah. It was interesting how Pike was kind of just sanguine about that. He's like, ah, everything's going to be fine. Yep. <laughs> even the racist stuff. I'm like, come on, Pike, you know, yeah. say, something, say something about that. Sure. Kirk watched McCoy get racist and never really said anything. But yep. These are different times, you know, for us, the viewers. So you have to stand up for those things. I mean, you know, by the way, um, the funeral at the end was nice. I can only assume that they said nice things about <laughs> Duke and Chia because it was all about it, you know, because they, their pictures were there. They're dead too. Um, I know. Someone should say, because Duke. I assume they'd of, already finished talking about them and that we were in the home stretch. Yeah. Of so, the whole thing. I always think of the Wizard of Oz when Dorothy says to the Scarecrow, I think I'm going to miss you most of all. And I'm like, they are out. They're all just standing there. They can all hear you. So this is, <laughs> you know. It's a quite daring thing to do, to kill off a character. But it, this feels like, I think this was the plan. I don't think we're dealing with a Denise Crosby, Tasha Yar, he wanted to, you know, do other things situation. And so they No, they set him. it up. They completely set it up in that earlier episode where he talked about how he's okay with dying and... And it's about a place where you are in your life. And Uhura's listening to what he has to say. And 
his life's purpose and all of that. It's going to be controversial for sure. What's funny is this is the show that's supposed to be the light show, the fun show. And think about Discovery and how it was presented as the dark show, the serialized show, the Game of Thrones of Star Trek. Um, and Game of Thrones was famous for killing off popular characters. Mm-hmm. And you know, Lorca, they killed him off in season one, but they turned him into a mustache twirling bad guy before they did it. So right. it, this feels like if you look at just season one of Discovery, this is much more daring than they ever did on that show for killing mm-hmm. off characters no and when they look when they killed culber they were very quick to reassure us that he was coming back within 10 seconds you know yes. literally well, on your after show on, i was gonna say on my show they came on and told us immediately so let's say that he's not coming back and it wasn't he didn't want to leave the show this was the plan why do you do that why do you create an interesting character and then kill him off yes well, it creates stakes you make room for somebody else is what you do Exactly. And and I think Scott is coming in season two. It's the only logical, you know, maybe even next episode. You and I haven't. Wa- I, have you watched it yet? I haven't watched it yet. I have not watched it yet. I will watch it when we finish recording. <laughs> so, I'm assuming that they're not going to replace Hammer in the finale because there's probably enough stuff going on. And for some reason, Laan is probably not going to be in the finale based on this episode. Yeah, or um, maybe she shows up at the end or something. But yeah, they definitely set her up to be... But we know she's part of season two. Right. She's already talking about the next season. I mean, the thing with Scotty is that that's also, there's also a lot of room to play in there. And he loves the Enterprise so much. doesn't surprise me that he predates Kirk on the Enterprise. Right. Uh, And. But but we don't know very much about him. So I feel like there's, there, there are good opportunities to tell some good stories and to get to know him better. Of course, you start thinking, you know, this is like a ship of Theseus situation, right? So are they are, you know, it's not the original series, but if you've got Scotty and Uhura and Babette and, Chapel, and, Chapel, and you know, it starts adding up to the original series and Kirk next season is going to show up at least for a little while. I mean, I've said that I think that they will eventually turn the show into the original series, including Kirk. You know, I, I thought, you know, y- years from now, um, but maybe I just so, think they sooner. can do so much more if they don't. I still, I still think they're relying much too heavily on the original series. They're they're using the characters, but then they're kind of changing them, or at least adding so much to them that they're almost unrecognizable, as in the case of Chapel. Well, but I know I don't think she's. It's interesting because there's been such an evolution there, and this episode just continued it. I really loved the scenes that happened between Chapel and Spock, and I felt like they're really sowing the seeds of the feature that we do know. Yeah, so let's start talking about that. So, you know, because Spock, you know, while they're fighting the whatever you call the Gornator, the you know the alien Gorn has to tap into his inner anger, um, which we all know that. Vulcans have. Yes, Vulcans have tremendous anger. And once they tap in, it's difficult for them. That's why they shut it all out. Because, I mean, it's always been said Vulcans have more powerful emotions. And so that's why they felt they had to suppress them, because they were such a violent, barbaric species. So, but she's the only one who noticed. Um, So he somehow kept it together, you know, all the way back from that planet. But she spotted it, and uh, although someone's going to notice the dented wall, 
That's, yes. That's going to need some explaining. Yeah, he can just go by and fix it. He'll take... But will this continue? Like, did her hug cure him of his rage? Well, so here's what I think. So, because it was... She reached out to him. She gave him the hug. They had that moment where they looked into each other's eyes and then he walked away. So... We're already establishing that she's very focused on him. He's not, I think, realizing the extent to which she is really caring about him. I don't think he, like, she gives him the hug and he gets what he needs and then he walks away. And I think he's starting his path of rejecting the emotion and the human side. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, he, in the episode, talked about how he's, you know, glad that he doesn't have to deal with things like fear um, and then, of course, Sam Kirk's the one who makes fun of him for being that way. And he almost punched Sam. I wish he did. <laughs> punched that mustache right off his face. Yes, just rip it off. <laughs> <laughs> but so it is, it's forming Spock the way that he's going to go. It's forming Spock and Chapel, and the way that relation, those dynamics are already being set up, even though she is this much more vibrant character. I mean, it's amazing how much character stuff is happening because there's a nice Spock thing going on. There's also some really interesting Lon stuff happening where she's finally kind of unclenching a little bit. Um, Certainly, we're seeing her softer side with the girl. She sees herself in the girl. Um, Mabenga sees his daughter in the little girl. Everyone sees a little something in that little girl. And and Lon has been learning from Captain Pike. Like she's taken in the things that he said. Which pays off at the end when she calls him Chris. That's what I'm saying. She's finally like being not nice is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like she's more whole and yeah. she's not just this walking wound. And she does mention, she, it's so funny. She mentions like she's in therapy, but she says head shrinker, which I just think there were a couple times in this episode where they use some outdated expression that I thought, I don't even think my kids who are, Growing up, I have teenagers in the age of of therapy and and talk about mental health know the expression head shrinker. (laughs) By the way, speaking of anachronisms, there's a weird thing where at the early uh, celebration with the promotions, number one taps on her wrist as if to point out the time. And I'm thinking, you're not wearing a watch. Yeah. (laughs) No one wears a watch. Why are you tapping your wrist? Like, how is that? still a thing in the 23rd century yeah i mean it's funny because it's something they like original series did it next in you know they would mention these phrases that i just thought you wouldn't in the future you won't know it and there's some of them are outdated now and even pike's whole thing about the station wagon you know <laughs> i mean i liked turn the car around <laughs> and take yeah. it back home it's definitely something my mom used to threaten all the time because we were a rowdy bunch but um but the station wagon i'm like a station wagon they're still gonna know what a station wagon is he's a big fan of the vacation movies i think <laughs> let's talk about the gorn can i just get it out of my system and then i'll be done knock yourself out i just don't think i if these aliens were anything but gorn it would be fine to me they still do not fit in at all with arena Kind of ruins arena. Okay, I'm done. When Babenka was talking about the Gorn, and he said, you know, they're too fast. <laughs> we'll never catch one. And I immediately thought of you, actually. And I thought of Arena. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> the last thing they are is fast. But yeah. 
He did say the adolescent. So here's my headcanon here, which is they get slower with age. And that yeah, that Gorn captain on that planet, he was like 900 years old. He was the oldest Gorn in the fleet. <laughs> and they just get slower with age. But And more thoughtful, clearly. <laughs> well, I mean, we first of all, if this was the only episode with the Gorn, I would say, yeah, they've just turned him into, you know, kind of smart monsters into basically the the aliens. But we've seen like they have ships, they have tactics, they are smart. We know that they use technology, you know, so we're seeing Gorn babies, essentially, and how vicious they are. And they grow up fast, sure. But, you know, we know as a species, they are fully evolved technological species with advanced, you know, tactics and stuff like that. They aren't just monsters, but they certainly start off as scary monsters. And I'm kind of okay with that because... I think if they could have made them scarier, they wanted the Gorn Captain to look scary in the original series. You know, that was the intent. They just couldn't do it. And so, yeah, they've made them into monsters, you know, and they're borrowing heavily off Alien Predator. They have kind of the Predator vision thing. And just the skidding around and bursting out of bodies is obviously straight out of Aliens. And that's fine because these are almost shorthands because, you know, you're doing an episode with all this character stuff and the Gorn, but the Gorn were terrifying. You know, these little Gorn babies running around the ship i was scared i didn't know who was going to get it next and um, i liked the little girl character she was obviously um, very much like the character in aliens the, the kind of buckley alien guy i loved that guy first of all he looked fantastic yeah and he was very alien you know speaking about guys in a rubber suit he was a guy in it's not really rubber, but whatever it is, but it was a damn good suit. Yes. I thought he looked amazing. I really like the scene where they first met him and Uhura kind of takes the lead on how to communicate with him. I mean, it's funny because um, La'an is like, the translator's not working, Uhura. And Uhura's like, that's not how linguistics work. Like, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but what Uhura does is realize he's protecting someone and then they lower their weapons. I just thought that whole scene was really nice. And I I couldn't get over how, how terrific he looked. And I was very disappointed when they killed him off because I just wanted to see him do more things. I want to know who, who's that guy. But you knew one of the two was infected. I mean, there's like no, I mean, once. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, I mean. I mean, I felt bad because Lon was like, did you check them? Yeah, they're fine. And you're like. Mm. Here's a question <laughs> about Lon because she knows a lot how could she not know that the venom is also how they reproduce? So when Hemmer got infected, I think she knew and held back that information. Because later, when she just said it like a statement, yeah, the way she said it, she knew all along, yeah. I think. Yeah. And she knew that they had time to make it through to get to the end. But it's they seem to gestate like really fast. Right, and and they said it was based on species, the gestation time. She should have told the captain, I think, at least. I don't know how much time there was to have those conversations, but yes, I don't disagree. They added a lot to, you know, to to, to Gorn lore, um, certainly how they grow up and how they, you know, choose an alpha. I thought all of that stuff was, you know, interesting. It was a good sci-fi horror. It really was scary and... As you said, the pacing was really good. You know, the, the, they didn't rush it too much. I think they they 
you know, we kind of know what's coming because of all the tropes of this stuff. There's the, the fake out scare, and then the real scare is coming later. What did you think of the design of the skittering Gorns? No, oh, they were, I mean, they were creepy and scary and effective. It's hard. Like for me, I generally don't, I don't like monster movies because I, I like villains to have nuance and not just be murdery. So these are just monsters. Yes. So they're general. They're not. What's interesting to me is, and I know this is supposed to be the interesting part is how people react and what they do. And thank goodness the pace was quick because monsters to me are, are boring. So, but they were, they were, they looked good. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I mean, they looked a little, you know, they looked thinner and more scrawny. They were more lizardly, but I guess they are supposed to be lizards. Yeah. And um, I w- yeah, I would like to see what in their mind, an adult, like is an adult just to kind of, we got kind of a good look at the frozen one that became the Gornsicle, like for a moment, except he was all white. <laughs> Like, is an adult just kind of a larger version of that? I, I would med, I would like to see them have a bit more meat on the bones as it were, as they get big, but not like the guy in the suit. Kind of a better version of what they did on Enterprise, I think. Um, I but, mean, I would like to not see them again, but that's just me. I mean, maybe this is the, the end of their little Gorn arc. They were this, you know, we, but yeah, I don't want to, I don't necessarily think we need to keep coming back to the Gorn. No, like as recurring villains, that's where it really stands out that they're that they're sort of two dimensional. And we know that on Star Trek, the whole point of a villain arc is eventually you turn the villain into a friend. But we know that that's not going to happen. Really, Kirk is the first one to at least make a step in that direction. Right. So they they really can't have the full villain arc. They just get to be the terrifying monsters. Right. Um, So let's hope they're moving on from the Gorn after this. Yeah. But they per- they worked perfectly well for let's do a sci-fi horror episode. Yep. And, you know, who else are you going to pick once you've decided to do the Gorn? Yeah, I uh, just pretended they weren't the same as the ones from the original series, and that helped. So, I mean, I'm sure you really don't have anything to say on this subject, but it's one of my favorites. They're like, I'm a little confused about this ship. Okay, so, and it's just a line of dialogue, but I don't understand why they said it. So, the ship was basically just like the Enterprise, which is a Constitution class ship. But wasn't it like a, they said a somber class or something like that? Yeah. So, but why? Like, there's no rules that say you can't just invent another. They never said there's only this many Constitution class ships. Right. And so, you know, so we know the names of various, you know, but. We know there's more out there or there could be more out there. So I don't understand why they, because obviously you're redressing sets because that's the easiest thing to do that build new sets we've seen this a million times but they said this you know looks like a constitution class but it's faster and it's a different class so I, yeah there's got to be a reason for that but i well they can't. took it with them right so there will be a yeah reason. i personally i would have just blown the thing up just in case you know, we don't yeah, want to i know yeah they did not yeah. learn their lesson you know, which means they can out, you know, there's like an egg in a corner somewhere. These people never saw the movie Alien. Because as soon as you land on this planet, like this is basically Alien, right? Where you land on LV-426 and you search a structure and, you know, you find eggs. And, right. you know, it's, it's none of these people saw any of the Alien movies, obviously. Because the no. first and, thing they should have seen <laughs> done is and, just blown up the ship and left. 
you know? And they've forgotten that their, their sensors can't read. Like, there's no way to know that there aren't more of them. Exactly. There's so many different things to talk about in this episode. Like, they, they packed it in, and I really appreciated that because there was never a dull moment. And, and there was never a waiting for the next thing to happen because things were always happening. You know, there's little things. You know, the K7 got mentioned. I was bummed we didn't get to see it because it is um, the only model I tried to build as a child, and it just the pieces just kept falling off. But we know number one saw it because she came and went. She, you know, she went there and came back. Yep, with Ortegas. They got some drinks from the bartender. They brought back a triple. <laughs> oh no! Here we go. You know what? <laughs> they maybe they did. If you're going to do it... I don't want them to do it, but if they were going to do it, there was their moment. Look, when I brought back from K7, I met this guy. He was wearing a weird jacket with pockets all over it. <laughs> <laughs> he had some flame gems. <laughs> I, we're laughing about this episode. I'm sorry. We should take this more seriously. Cameron no, but died. it did. So, but it started out with like a cute breakfast scene, and then it had this whole nonsense about like a drinking game. Which, I mean, I have thought that drinking games were stupid from the first time I ever heard of them. Like I was like, just drink. What do you need a stupid game for? Just drink. And the idea that drinking games would survive, and then that they would be in Starfleet. I am with Spock. This is dumb. Well, and also that you have to buy someone a drink. Yes. So it isn't a, a take-a-shot game. Right. Like How do you buy someone, someone mentions... a drink when there's no money? Yeah. Although the no money thing, they were very <laughs> less clear on in the TOS era. That's much more a TNG thing, although they kind of implied it in TOS, but then they sometimes didn't. So they were inconsistent on the money thing. Right. They sometimes talked about credits and how much money people made and things like that. And it doesn't actually make sense. I don't know how you have a society without money. I'm interested, but I don't see how it's possible. You know, this is a total tangent, but I think the only way such a thing works is if there's a lot more robots, which is something we don't see in Star Trek because someone's got to do the crappy jobs. And we saw a little bit of this, you know, we see on Discovery, they have some robots cleaning the ship. But... Right. But like on Picard, he's got people working in the vineyards. And I go, yeah. well, what, what's in it for them? I don't know. Right. It would all be robots. Everything would be robots. Everyone else would just be sitting in their holodecks, having fun and doing other leisure activities. Right. Or being in Starfleet as a hobby, I guess. <laughs> That's a whole other... Right. How does this stuff really work? Episode wrapping up on Uhura's line. So Uhura all season has been doing her tour of the ship essentially and working in all her departments. She's essentially finished and ready to go back to the academy, which is what makes sense. It's the whole you know cadets are supposed to go back to school, and but the other thing of her is she, you know, and this gets back to and there are many things that paid off in this episode of the how serialized this show is. Laon's arc was being paid off. And hers, basically, she said, I'm just drifting. I'm basically in Starfleet by accident, kind of thinking back to when Spock said, the people who are in Starfleet are the ones who want to be in Starfleet. So you either want to be here or get out. Yeah, make room for someone who does. But Hemmer's sacrifice, I guess, got her to decide to stay. Well, and they also had a conversation where he talked about her her fear of putting down roots because she'd had things yanked out from under her 
So it made sense that she didn't, you know, and I think about it, like at the very beginning of the episode, they were really trying to set up this family vibe with this meal and Pike cooking and Pike making dad jokes and things like that. And so Uhura has been, you know, it's interesting because Ortega's at the beginning says something about how Uhura always separates herself. And I thought, well, there's another example where they're telling us something that we haven't really seen. They want us, you know, to accept this. But then by the, like, I felt like Hammer's observations of Uhura were, were spot on. And he said, you know, you have a gift for connecting people, basically, which is true. And his last words were mostly for her to, you know, get her to stay. And then the final scene of the episode is her looking at her station and they yes. play Star Trek. That's her pivot point. Yeah. I mean, P- Pike asked her to stay at the beginning of the episode. And so yeah. he was beating a dead horse. Another terrific expression. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> for a guy who loves horses. Um, <laughs> so, but he asked her to stay and obviously had been asking her many times. So staying was an option all along. But I thought she did a great job. I mean, she didn't have a lot to do in the middle. But that scene when he goes off to die and he says, he says, it's just like Andoria and he's trying to be cheerful. And all you can really hear besides the music is Uhura crying. Yeah. Well, she did coin the phrase Team Hemura. Yes, she did. They're working together, which only makes it harder when Hammer, Hammer has to die. Yeah. Another very contemporary reference, but that was okay. <laughs> She didn't say hashtag team Hibora. That right. would have been too much. Um, although that may be a hashtag at some point. Um, <laughs> it was a terrible, terrible, but well-earned and sad death and daring. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I'm not angry about it. I'm, I kind of applaud them for doing it, even though, I'm angry about it. Okay, I am angry about it, but I, 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 I kind of admire that they did it at the same time. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really mad just because I want him back. Well, and and every show needs and this other character, and Spock is so well known, he can't fully pull off the other thing. Right. Um, and right. Scotty certainly couldn't. So. They need someone to subvert expectations and to have this very different point of view yeah, and different abilities. I mean, already his ability has saved everybody once. And it's, you know, it's a Star Trek show. We want them to, you know, not only introduce us to aliens, but let it, you know, we, you know, every show has had a great, interesting alien kind of character, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, it's not always an alien. Well, data, data. The doctor weren't aliens, but it, it's the same kind of thing. And obviously, Odo and Doctor Flox and Saru and so and Kess and Neelix and Seven, like they they've done a lot of these characters. Hopefully, we still have someone like that in season two. They could hold off. Um, they could do what Discovery was doing and you know rotate engineers. You know, give us a season with another interesting alien you know maybe maybe we'll get some binars (laughs) your binar (laughs) dreams will come true (laughs) i want more binar what can i say two of them (laughs) obviously (laughs) i think they'll eventually get to scotty it'd be nice if they just it's like it feels too soon even though we're not going to see season two until probably next may i agree let's let's just give us a new character that we don't know I want new characters, new aliens, new planets, please. 
They did do one familiar thing that made me laugh, though, even though it wasn't a funny moment, which was was Mabenga saying, he's dead, Chris. Oh, I, I didn't even notice that. Oh, yeah. That's the kind of callback I'm fine with. Well, so, you know, both of us like this one. So I'm eight and a half for nine. You're eight for nine, right? Yeah, yeah. And on, on to the season finale next week. Let's talk about our bits of the week. Mine is, is kind of like the Top Gun Maverick a couple weeks ago has a Star Trek reference I mentioned. The new Elvis movie has Star Trek references in it as well. It starts off <laughs> in, in Vegas at Star Trek The Experience. I mean, this is after Elvis had already passed, obviously, because he passed away in the 70s and that was in the 90s. But there's other, uh, there's like, Star Trek posters in his recording studio. Um, I did a little bit of a deep dive on Elvis. Um, apparently he was a Star Trek fan. And here's a fun fact. He named one of his, he named his horse Star Trek. <laughs> he, he didn't name his horse like Captain Kirk or Spock. He named the horse Star Trek. So, and that, that was, came from a documentary, Celeste Yarnell's and the original series, she did a movie with him and he was like really excited to meet her because she was in Star Trek and she <laughs> she revealed the bit about his horse as well. Uh, okay, so what do you got? So mine is is funny because when, we're, when I was watching this episode, I had all these questions about the Gorn. The way that they reproduced seemed really impractical and weird to me. And then the whole siblings fighting each other. So what do we do? You reach out to Dr. Muhammad Noor who is the consultant. He's the, the science consultant in terms of biology for Star Trek. He's got, he teaches at Duke. He's I think the Dean of the department. So I was like, can I ask you some questions? Um, and he did. He told me about wasps that gestate in other creatures, like sometimes cockroaches and then the young eat them from the inside out. And, and there are some, like there's a bot fly that gestates in um, humans even and other mammals and he was like it's such fun stuff that was his description of all of these things and then he talked about there are certain birds that kill each other for dominance it's called siblicide um, but it seems to be specifically when resources are low and then I also read you know he just sent me on this path um, and I started researching oh that's but the parents sometimes are pro this siblings killing each other thing anyway all of that reminded me that he and Jane Brooke have this great podcast called Biotrekkie with the Admiral. We had interviewed them when they were doing the first season. There's a whole second season out there. And they follow the episodes of Discovery and they talk about the science on the show. So I just want to remind everybody that that's out there and we'll put up a link so you can go check out their YouTube podcast. It was so nice of him to answer me too. And he said, sorry, it took me so long, but now I'm on my lunch break. And I was like, don't apologize. And thank you. But he just led me down, sent me these different articles and links and led me down a great path. So thank you for that. But also go check out the show he does with Jane, who I'm also a huge fan of. So well, I did a deep dive on Elvis and Star Trek, you were doing a deep dive on creepy things that impregnate. Through... Yes. Yeah, gross. <laughs> And then kill each other. <laughs> Mine was more fun. Definitely yours was more fun. Although there was one guy, he told me about who, who had the bot fly in his head and he loved it. Like he thought of it as this like a special child. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's all really fascinating. And I'm glad that I had finished my lunch 
when I was looking at all that stuff. So that's it for another episode of All Access Star Trek. Thank you for joining us. The season finale of Star Trek Strange New Worlds comes next week, and we'll be here with you to talk all about it. See you then.